from the Ledger Newsroom in Lakeland, Florida, this is Backcourt Violation, our weekly podcast bounces across the basketball universe with your host, Brady Fredrickson. Now, Backcourt Violation. And welcome back. It's Brady. We're here at the Ledger. It's backcourt violation. <laughs> back after a week off because sometimes things get a little wild around here. Uh, there's been a lot of games going on, a lot of different uh, stories kind of floating around, which is, you know, it's tough. The thing about, you know, this, this county and this kind of time of the year is you've got, you know, I think one, two, three, four, five men's basketball teams and four women's basketball teams. And each team has their own kind of storyline individually. Some of them are more similar than others, but but overall, everybody's kind of floating in their own way toward either good or bad. And so, actually, this is a pretty good timing because uh, if you're listening to this on Friday, uh, I'll have a column uh, in the paper today that's kind of detailing the storylines in the mid-season-ish report on the women's teams in the county. And then uh, Saturday, we'll look at the men. Um, you know, we can preview a little bit of that today. I won't spill all of the beans <laughs> today. Um, but overall, I think just from, you know, looking at two months of this and, and really over the past two weeks, having seen almost everybody up close, the only team I haven't had a chance to get out to see is Polk State men. Uh, but they play Florida Southwestern, uh, which is the, the new kid on the block, actually, in the Suncoast Conference among the JUCOs in Florida. They actually have only had a program for, I believe, two or three years. They're down in Fort Myers. They have an extremely, you know, awesome-looking facility that hosts the City of Palms uh, high school basketball tournament. And so, you know, they've got facilities, and it's Fort Myers, and the beach is right there. And, you know, say what you will about the old people that live there, but Fort Myers is not a bad place to go spend uh, two years in community college. Uh, Coming from somebody who spent two years at a community college, that was not uh, quite Fort Myers. Um, But... You know that team's twenty and one. Uh, Polk State's a team that started off the year two and fourteen or two and fifteen. Uh, you know they, it was going to be a rebuilding year under Brandon Giles. They were they were trying to piece this together, uh, but you know they've won I think three of their last five, and those have all been conference games. And it's a young group that's it's going to have its ups and downs, and they've had quite a few downs. But this is one of the upswings, and you know at this point, if you're a coach, if you're Giles, I think you have to walk away at least you know happy that. You know, by the end of the year, you've seen your team grow and they're playing better, and and that's kind of you know what you hope for as a coach when you go into a season knowing that you've got young guys that are going to have some bumps along the way. Um, but the other things about the men's teams that kind of are you know interesting to me is that really there's no one team that just kind of sticks out as this you know favorite. There's not really one team, whether it's you know Florida Southern in the Sunshine State Conference or you know, Warner or Southeastern or Weber and the NAI and the Sun Conference, they're all kind of, you know, on the same level. Not necessarily the same level in terms of, you know, ability or record, but in terms of nobody is just head and shoulders at the top. Uh, You know, Florida Southern, I covered them last night. Uh, They beat St. Leo. You know, they're a team that's had some highs and some lows. They've lost a lot of close games. I would probably imagine three or four of those games are by one or two possessions or in overtime. If they win those games, they instead of being twelve and eight, they might be sixteen and four, which is completely different. And it's it's four games, and they've a lot of those have been conference games, and that's big. Uh, you know, they've had a, they've had a couple of big upsets. They beat you know Lemoyne, who was ranked at the time. They've beaten a couple other teams that were ranked. You know, the big thing with them 
is just that they've kind of been inconsistent in the way that they play throughout a game. It's not even necessarily you know spurts. They did come off a few games in a row losing to win a few games in a row now. But even in games, you'll see them lead by you know 10 or 11 points or trail by 10 or 11 or 15 points. And they'll find a way to fight back and get into it, or they'll find a way to slow down and get passive and let the other team come back. You know, last night against St. Leo, that happened a few times. They let, you know, they'd, they'd come out to a six, seven point lead, St. Leo would come back. 11, 12 point lead, St. Leo would come back. And finally, late in the second half, they scored 13 of 15 points in this two minute stretch from like eight minutes to six minutes. And it really was finally the streak that broke the. You know, the Lions back, and, and that's one of those things that they still are improving on and trying to get better at. But it's really a young team, too. They don't have a ton of seniors. You know, Tyler Ross is the one senior, and he comes off the bench and is kind of just a niche player. And then Jonathan Lawton is the other upperclassman that plays a lot, and, and he's, you know, the point guard. And so he's kind of, you know, trying to keep everything in order and even. And he's had some big games, but I think still, I kind of, I've mentioned this a couple weeks ago, maybe it was a month ago, that his efficiency still leaves a lot to be desired in terms of the quality of of shots he takes sometimes, you know, and, and, there's, and there's, there are games where, you know, I think actually I covered one. There was a game where he got 20 free throws, and if he can get, you know, seven, eight, nine free throws in a game, you can deal with him, you know, shooting 39 or 40 percent. But without the free throws, it's hard to, you know, score efficiently while you're not, you know, shooting in the mid 40s, at least from the field. But the other guy I mentioned during that uh, podcast a couple weeks ago was Brett Hansen, and who really is their, you know, defensive leader, him and slinky jones but you know for the most part brett's the guy who on the perimeter is you know the most active he's you know probably one of the more athletic wing players they've got if not the most athletic wing player they've got and that really helps him in terms of being able to you know defend in a multitude of ways and he's been really good offensively lately uh, you know he, his jumper was falling last night that's the key for him when he can you know get this little dribble step back type of you know, move going, that really opens up lanes for him to drive. And once he gets to the basket, he's he's bouncy enough to be able to kind of bob and weave around guys and, and finish at the rim. But, you know, Florida Southern is a team that they have three games coming up. They'll play Eckerd, uh, Barry, and um, Rollins. And they've got two of those games at home, the first two. But that's first, second, and third place in the conference. And so, you know, the only the top eight teams in the Sun Shine State Conference make the tournament. The tournament will be held at Florida Southern. So, you know, if they can find a way to split a couple of those games, you know, they've lost two, all three of them, if they can find a way to sweep that somehow, you know, that would be massive for their, you know, hopes not only to, you know, make the tournament because right now they're in sixth and they're kind of, you know, treading on, you know, thin ice a little bit. But, you know, for them to win those games, that would be massive and go a long, long way for them to, uh, you know, find a way to win a home game in the first round and then they'd have you know potentially two more home games after that and so you know that's big for them um you know with the the nai teams on the men's side you know southeastern you know dropped five in a row after starting the season so hot and they they beat weber uh they'll play again tonight i don't know what will happen in that one but you know they'll they're a team that has the talent and has the ability to score the basketball you know they're almost averaging 90 points per game but at the same time they have a lot of you know, areas in terms of kind of the same thing with Florida Southern at times in terms of closing out games. And that's some of that is execution. Some of that is just, you know, being able to string together stops late in the game, you know, that they kind of have issues defensively and they didn't have those issues early on. You know, the schedule was lighter early, but they did play some, some big games in the first half of the year, mixing in with those, you know, lesser opponents. But, you know, if they can find, 
you know, what they had early in the year, they're going to be fine. You know, Weber's a team that can score the ball again, but they, you know, just are so up and down, and they'll really need to work on that. And with Warner, I think Warner's the most consistent, you know, men's team in the county. You know, they just do their thing, you know. They, they lost a game against Kaiser on uh, last weekend. And, uh, you know, it was one they probably, you know, could have, should have won. You know, there was a shot at the end. They tied it. Uh, and then Kaiser, you know, made a buzzer beater uh, that the referees waved off. You know, I had my phone out doing a video. And if you look back at my video, the shot was good. So they should have lost in regulation. But, you know, I guess things always kind of even out or, you know, that's how karma works. And so, you know, they ended up, you know, giving up a, a free throw in the final seconds. And that's what cost them. But, you know, they're just a team that, that's just good. You know, they're, they're a solid, steady, you know, defensive team that does a lot of the little things well. And offensively, just like they've been the last couple years, they're just, they're just a machine. They're just efficient. They, they shoot threes. They make threes. They shoot layups. They don't dilly-dally around with the mid-range jump shot that often. You know, they've got two-point guards. And, you know, that's the thing that's most impressive to me is that, you know, they were a team that, you know, 35 points their game, you know, points per game last year were coming from Warren Hall. You know, Warren Hall goes away. They bring in Melton Sanders. You know, he's now one of the five, six best scorers in the conference. Uh, you know, effortless scorers at that. There's there's not a whole lot of athleticism in Melton Sanders' game, but he finds a way to kind of score in a multitude of ways. He's kind of got the, you know, in a more in a more graceful way, the Andre Miller uh, old man game. <laughs> but, um, you know, he's a great player. And then, uh, you know, Khalil Alzuna is a guy who, you know, they haven't really had a true big man like him that can move and, you know, defend in the ways he can defend. And even Eddie Delegal a couple of years ago was a guy who sort of did that, but even so, he was more of a, uh, you know, kind of a guy who'd like to be outside of the paint than inside. But, you know, they have a good, that's a good team. And Nick Makin's, you know, probably my favorite player in this county to watch play basketball just because he's so smooth and he, you know, every, nothing looks hard to him. And he's, you know, good on both sides of the ball. And so, I mean, they're, they're a team that I really could see making a run. I think Southeastern has it in them. They just have to try and figure out, you know, what was good for them in the first half of the year and then try and, you know, bring that back in the second. Um, the women's side is more interesting. Obviously, there are two teams that are just far and away, you know, good. Florida Southern women, you know, have really steadily kind of creeped up to where they're 15-3 and three now. They've won uh, six in a row, I believe. You know, they're just, you know, they just they just grind you down, you know. It's funny you watch some of their players. You know they're really kind of dominated by three players at the top, and that would be, you know, Anya Fuchs Robin, uh, Camille Giardina, and Jensen Blossage. And you know, Blossage is the only senior, and so she's sort of the the glue guy that kind of just fills whatever role. She's come off the bench at times. She started at times. She plays a little point guard, but she's more of a shooting guard these days. You know, and Camille is probably the best shooter they've got on a team that doesn't have a lot of shooting. And, you know, she scored her 1,000th point on, uh, on Wednesday night against St. Leo, and she's just, you know, steadily been kind of the same player but just getting slightly better at things that are important. And even, even this year, I mean, you know, they're, you know, Florida Southern's, you know, Betsy Harris is never going to be a coach who tells her players go out there and shoot 33s a game. That's just not how, you know, her, her mentality. But, you know, they have Camille shooting more threes this year than ever before. And, you know, it always makes sense to, to give your best shooter – you know, the, the shot that's worth the most points. You know, it's just basic math, but it's kind of funny that in basketball, and this is, you know, this goes beyond college into the pros even, but, like, you know, it's just funny that we look at three-pointers have been around since 1978, I believe, in the NBA, and even before that in the ABA, and in college has had them too, and, you know, it took us 
30 years almost to finally buy in that shooting more three-pointers and shooting less mid-range jumpers was the was the key to success because you know <laughs> step back five feet and your shot is worth one extra point and so you know she's shooting really well and she had a really good game yesterday she's got she's had some ankle issues and that's a big thing as long as she stays healthy that's good but either way I mean the key to them is, is Anya and she's just you know really grown as a player and I'm actually going to write something on her next week so so that'll be you know interesting to talk to her about that change because you know from being kind of a backup freshman who just kind of came in and and did a little bit of you know this and that but wasn't really you know opening any eyes to a sophomore year where she kind of stepped in and really kind of became a an offensive hub for them at times to now where she's just the offense I mean she touches the ball at the three-point line she gets it in the high post she gets it in the low post she gets offensive rebounds you know I think her toughness has really increased I think she's become a tougher player over the years and I think that's for a lot of European players you know I think that takes time to get used to that but you know there's no you know rebound I mean she had seven offensive rebounds in 14 or 13 or 14 rebounds yesterday and you kind of like you know you watch a game with her in it early on and you see you know uh, one for four with two points and three rebounds, and she's taken a free throw or two. And you're like, oh, she's really struggling. <clears throat> Excuse me. And then you look back up in the third quarter, and she's got 25 points and 10 rebounds, and you're like, where the hell did this come from? And it's just pretty wild that uh, you know that, that she's kind of become this silent assassin out there for them. And so, you know, that's probably been you know one of the most impressive things to me this year is her improvement and her you know really stepping into that role for that team. You know, because they didn't really have somebody who could just you know get on my back and i'll take you there uh and so florida southern's got a chance to be really good down the stretch here they're in first place right now and you know they really control their own fate um you know but then the other team is southeastern southeastern's undefeated again for the second straight year they are 20 and 0 probably 21 after tonight just because that's the way this works (laughs) um you know i wrote about anna richter last week um you know she's really kind of in the same way that anya has only you know, to a different extent, you know, Anna was more of a uh, a niche player last year by by just necessity because they were such an established group already. But this year, she stepped in, and and you know, it's it's apparent why she played Division One basketball before this. And she was at Miami of Ohio, a MAC team, you know, and she was a good player there. She played quite a bit, and so you know, you take somebody who can average seven points and six rebounds per game for, you know, a Division One team and you throw them in the NAI, and then you give her a year to get used to it, and then you unleash her, and now she's at 25 points and seven rebounds and two steals, and she just does everything. And it's you know one of those things where I, I never looked at her last year as somebody who was going to be a big scorer. Maybe that was just because she never, you know... <laughs> never really wanted to be the person who scores. It doesn't even seem like she really like looks at herself that way, you know, these days either way. But they're a good team. I mean, she's good. You know, JC Coe is a shooter who uh, played at Kentucky and Western Kentucky. You know, she's gotten a lot better from, uh, you know, from deep over the last couple of games. And they're just a group that I think, you know, the only problem they're going to run into, and I wrote about this in the column, is that, you know, they're not going to play a close game for another month. And they haven't played a close game since they played uh, an exhibition at Florida Gulf Coast. And they lost that game, but Florida Gulf Coast is a pretty decent Division One school, and they're NAI, and they only lost by 10. So, I mean, will they play better competition once the NAI tournament comes around? Potentially. I mean, they, the, the, the best teams, the thing about it at the NAI level I've noticed, and this is kind of, you know, it depends on the sport, but, you know, both athletes and the teams, when you get down to it, to the best three, four, five teams in any of these smaller levels, 
these teams are about as good as you know the low level division one you have to think there are in basketball alone there are 300 plus division one basketball teams and what 68 of them make the tournament and how many of those 68 are really great teams there's probably three or four great teams and you even look at the power five conferences i mean the sec i mean they're at the bottom of the sec and no matter what sport it is isn't always great but in terms of basketball you really look at some of the smaller conferences and it just gets really watered down and so i think you look at the best teams at these lower levels it may not be division one or you know this or that but these teams are good the best teams at this level are good and they just might be smaller or you know slower but either way i think you know i think if you threw southeastern in the sunshine state conference they'd be right there towards the top with florida southern you know i'd be a game i'd love to watch i don't know who would win i really don't i've seen both of them so many times i still couldn't tell you who i think would win (laughs) they're just both they're both interesting teams it's funny as they both played uh they both have played South St. Leo this year. You know, Florida Southern played them twice. They beat them by 11 last night and I think 19 third or fourth game of the season. And then Southeastern played them first or second game. I think, that, I think it was a game that counted for Southeastern too. And Southeastern beat them by 30. But, you know, on one side of that, you know, St. Leo's not a great team. They played hard last night and they really kind of, you know, worked to keep that game close with Florida Southern. But, you know, you don't, you know, come into the season and play a team that plays a zone like Southeastern does and, and be prepared for it. And that's just kind of, I think, that's what St. Leo ran into is, you know, they just <laughs> couldn't break that zone because they just they didn't have a chance to practice against that. And, you know, Southeastern runs a 3-2 instead of a 2-3, so it's a little bit different than what you'd normally see. And, and that also kind of presents problems. And so, you know, I would love to see that game. It'll never happen, you know, in a million years, well, at least not until, uh, you know, someday they're on the same level. But at this point, it won't. But... It would be a great hypothetical game. Uh, Miller, two women's teams that are you know out there that we haven't talked about, Weber and Warner. They're both uh, tied for last in the Sun Conference right now. Um, you know they've had some struggles. They both are um, you know very offensively challenged. You know I think that's been the issue for Weber for a long time now. They just haven't been able to find the shooters consistently. And and the same thing goes for Warner. They're both in the bottom. 50 in the country in shooting. I think uh, I think in the column I wrote, Warner is like 226 out of 236 teams. You know, they just can't shoot the three. And, and the problem that, you know, Weber usually can get around that by just being really good defensively. Uh, and they haven't been as, you know, tip-top in that area. I think a lot of these teams' defensive stats are skewed because Southeastern just blows them out and scores 100 points against them. You know, in this conference, the Sun Conference, you know, it's a gritty kind of similar, similarly similarly minded league with terms of the teams. I mean, most of them play the same style, and there's not a whole lot of, you know, finesse in that league. And Southeastern brings that, and they've also got athleticism and size, and that gives you know teams a lot of problems. And so I think you know I don't think Weber will allow 100 points again, but they allowed 115 I think to Southeastern a couple weeks ago. So you know the other thing with Warner too is Warner and they and this is an interesting thing is that Warner and Weber play this week and that's the thing that kind of excites me is to see you know these teams again because you know Warner beat Weber uh last month and it was a crazy women's game and you know a lot of tempers flared I know both coaches were you know <laughs> uh riding high in that game and uh you know it was it was an exciting one and you know Warner has a knack for for taking leads and giving them away They've done it countless times this year, and, and Joe Sanchez is, you know, a guy who's probably, 
if you look at every coach in this county, high school or college, or even in the state probably, he's probably the most experienced women's basketball coach in the state. He's coached at Navy, Wake Forest. His history goes back years and years and years. And they're trying to build something there. And, you know, they've been, you know, Warner basketball in general for women has been, you know, historically poor. Even when, you know, outside of the one year Ladretta Aikens was there, she had them playing pretty well for a season. But it just hasn't been sustainable for them. And they're a small team that can't shoot. And that's a combination that's really, really, really difficult to to overcome. But it, it'll be interesting to see them play this weekend. I'm kind of excited to watch that game and just see, you know, because they both need they need wins and they need people ahead of them to lose if they want to make the tournament. And so, you know, this is a big one for them because it's kind of an eliminator in terms of tiebreakers and whatnot. And so, you know, it's a must-win game in, in, you know, late January and we've still got a month to go. And so, you know, that'll be interesting. And the other part, you know, with the men's side, we'll go back to that real quick and end it there. But, you know, Weber and Warner played once earlier this year. Uh, Warner didn't play with Nate, Nick Macon in that game. So they were down probably one of their, their second or, you know, even their first, you know, top player, you know, in that game. And they beat Weber by, you know, 10 or 12. And it's one of those games where it's, it's at, oh, that was at, that was at Warner. So it was a road game. You know, I think Weber is better at home in this game historically, at least over the last three or four games, three or four years, has had a lot of emotion when it's been played at Weber. And I don't know if that's just because of kind of, you know, the, the gym's smaller and people are just literally, I mean, that game at Weber is standing room only. It's If you could go to a game this weekend, go to Weber Warner on Saturday because it's it's a weird ambionic kind of thing where you're just such a it feels like a high school game only the gym is smaller than a high school game the crowd is bigger than any high school game you're going to see in Polk and the only game the only high school crowd in Polk County I've ever seen that rivals a Warner Weber crowd is a Bartow Kathleen game a couple years ago at Kathleen where it was uh, Derek Brooks and Tony Bradley against Corey Sanders and Corey Sanders did a game winner and people rushed the court and that was probably the only crowd high school wise I can think of that was just that level of wild and at the same time, though, the Weber Warner crowds do tend to get a little, uh, a little angsty and, and you know, start to yap a little bit. Yeah, there was a brawl a couple of years ago where symbols were being thrown, and you know, the marching band and the, you know, they they had to play the game with the gym empty at the end, just the final seconds. And last year there were a couple, um, you know, incidents, and they've had to move the game times up to try and control this. And they're going to have a lot of security there, and so it's going to be, and they're going to really try hard to keep this under control, but. You know, I think it's going to be a really good game. It's going to be a lot of fun. Both teams can score. You know, and Weber is in a position where they're sixth place right now. I mean, Warner is third. Warner has a very outside chance of of winning the the conference as long as they can. You know, maybe not necessarily win out, but come pretty close to winning out. But Weber needs wins to stay in this because if they fall out of it, I can't. You know, they've been so up and down that if they lose this one. You know, and then they lose on the road. You know, you can't afford to lose home games. You know, even if you're playing somebody who's, you know, ranked in the top 25, you know, Warner's 23rd, you, know, you have to win the home games. And I think with a rivalry that kind of evens the, the hypothetical spread even more. And so I don't know who will win. I would probably, if I was a betting man on small college basketball, I'd probably assume Warner wins just because they have the pedigree and they have the, you know, the kind of the horses. But you know, if you haven't seen Osandi Vaughn, he plays at uh, you know Weber. He's a guy who's, I think, was last at uh, you know Nova Southeastern, I believe, a D two school. But he can score, man. He's he 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 shoots the ball. He shoots the ball well, and so, you know, 
it'll be interesting. I'm excited for that one. You know, both those games should be good. You know, the crowd should be good. And, uh, and yeah, it's at 1.30 and 3.30 on Saturday out in Babson Park. So, you know, thanks for tuning in. Uh, we'll be back next week. We'll talk. You know, hopefully I'm going to try. I'm really, really trying. I swear to God, I'm trying to find somebody to actually sit here and, and interview on this podcast. It's been hard to try and time that out right because, you know, everyone's so busy. But we're going to make that happen. I think this is going to be infinitely better when I figure that out. So, uh, anyways, uh, this is Brady. Uh, this is uh, Backcourt Violation. Thanks for tuning in, guys.